I'm sharing 22 super juicy business and founder lessons that I learned in 2022. I'm talking about business strategies, marketing, sales, finances, leadership, mindset, and so much more. This is going to be super valuable and I am not holding back and being super vulnerable and transparent with you in the hopes that it's going to be helpful. So get a notebook, get a pen, a water, a tea, or coffee, and let's dive in. Join the slow fashion revolution with Recloseted Radio. As the number one podcast for fashion entrepreneurs with a conscience, we're here to help you reach new heights. I'm your host, Selena Ho, the founder and CEO of Recloseted, and I'm on a mission to share my insider knowledge and strategies for launching a successful sustainable brand, growing your existing slow fashion business, and making your brand more environmentally friendly. I also invite industry experts to share their stories and insights too. So subscribe and let's get to work on transforming the harmful fashion industry. And welcome back. Thank you so much for your patience as myself and our team took a much needed break. Team Recloseted took some well-deserved time off and I personally also did so much introspection and strategizing for Recloseted. The month of December was a lot of resting, a lot of catching up with family and friends. I am mainly in London now, so I went back to Vancouver for the holidays and it was just so nice to unplug and just be present with them. And I have been loving London. If you have been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that I am a nature gal at heart. I love to hike. I love to snowboard. And moving to London, which is like a concrete jungle city, I was kind of like, oh my God, I'm probably going to hate it, but it's going to be so good for the business and for my personal growth. But anyways, long story short, it has definitely grown on me. And I feel like London is a city that grows on you. But one of the things I love is just the people that I've met. And everyone is so like, I hate to use the word cultured, but everyone is really cultured because people are from all over the world. And in Europe, you get minimum six weeks vacation off the bat, which is unheard of in North America. Usually, if you're lucky, you'll get like 15 days or you know, you kind of start off with two weeks or 10 days. But yeah, in Europe, people get six weeks, guys. Like they're definitely living it up and they definitely don't live to work. They work to live. And so it's just been really cool to see. But anyways, I digress. We've met some really amazing people. It's been really good for the business as well. And I'm also learning a lot in terms of sustainable fashion, innovations, regulations that's coming up. And I will talk about that more on the podcast. But all in all, loving it. I am living my best London life. And yeah, it was just so nice to be there last year. And then now I'm back in Vancouver for a bit. And then, yeah, like it definitely was so nice just to unplug in December. And then in January, I think that's when like a lot of us, we kind of got like a reality check because you're reflecting on the past year. You're trying to figure out what to do this year. And for me personally, January was definitely a hard reset. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the mindset section towards the end of this episode. But yeah, I've been going through it in January. There's lots of questions, lots of facing hard realities and just making difficult, but also making easy decisions that I need to be making. And I know this sounds very vague, but I will expand more in the mindset section like I talked about. And doing hard things like facing my self-sabotage, which again, more towards the end of this episode. But yeah, so... In recap, December was great, rested, 
spent time with loved ones. And then January was just like going through a lot of muck and sorting through it and coming through on the other side, which is why I'm talking to you right now. And as such, I do have a pretty big recloseted update. I did a lot of strategizing and introspection. And as a result, a lot of streamlining happened because I got really clear and intentional around what I want recloseted to look like and what type of impact and how we want to help the fashion industry moving forward. So there's now only two ways you can work with us. The first way is if you're launching a brand, you can enroll in our Launch Your Brand self-paced course. The LYB course is going to give you everything you need to go from idea to successful 20k launch. You can find out more information at recloseted.com slash LYB or click the link in our show notes. And then the second way you can work with us is through our consulting services. So either our business consulting services to help you increase revenue, increase sales, profitability, really recession-proof your brand during these weird times, and or sustainability consulting to really set up your sustainability strategy, sourcing, all that jazz. On the business consulting side of things, it will be one-on-one directly with me and I'm only going to be accepting two clients a month moving forward. I want to be really intentional with the clients we work with. I want to make sure it's very high touch and I can really dedicate my all to their businesses. So that's why we're only accepting two clients a month for our business consulting. And then on the sustainability consulting side of things, obviously I have a whole team helping me. So we're able to take on more there. But for me personally, I just got really clear on what I personally want to work on at Recloseted and what I'm the best at. And so if you want more information about our consulting services, you can check it out at recloseted.com slash consulting and the link will also be in the show notes. If you are interested in our business consulting and or our sustainability consulting services, you can book a complimentary consultation with me to see if it's a fit to work together and also so that we can develop a customized proposal for you. So on the recloseted.com slash consulting page, there is an option to do that. And like I mentioned, I'm only taking two clients a month for our business consulting. So do not snooze. And for the rest of Q1, we're only accepting four more clients. So make sure you book a chat ASAP if you are interested. And with that all being said, I have a a lot of updates, a lot of lessons, a lot of learnings, and I'm going to be sharing my top 22 in this episode. So like I mentioned at the top of the episode, 22 lessons I learned in 2022. We're going to talk business, entrepreneurship, then we're going to move into marketing, and then we're going to move into sales, and then finance, and then leadership and team, and then mindset. And then last but not least, as a little bonus, there are a few quotes that really got me through some rough patches and challenges last year. And so I really want to share them with you as well in the hopes that it can help you too. So without any further ado, let's dive in to the first group of lessons, which is the business and entrepreneurship lessons. One of my mentors constantly reminds me that having a successful business on average takes at least 10 years, if not more, to build. And if you're building an empire and you're building a business that's going to last at least 10 years and you're getting discouraged in year two or even year three or even year five, then it doesn't make sense because you haven't put in your reps yet. You aren't where you need to be yet. And just know that some of the biggest companies in the world that you may idolize or you may look up to, like they've been in business for decades and decades. So that's why they're there. They've built a brand for themselves. They've really fine tuned their processes. They know what they're doing. And as a result, you shouldn't compare your business if you're in like the 
first year, the second year, the fifth year, or you know, even in the eighth year, like you shouldn't compare yourself to these big businesses because you just haven't put in the reps yet. And my mentor constantly reminds me that we're building something for the long run and having a successful business on average takes 10 plus years. So don't be too hard on yourself and extend your time horizon. That is key because if you're making decisions, just thinking about this month or this quarter or this year, then you're probably not going to set yourself up for success. And something that I've really realized is that a lot of successful people have such long time horizons. They're not thinking in quarters or even this year, like they're thinking decades and decades out. So just some perspective for you. The second lesson in the business and entrepreneurship category is the fact that building a business is hard. This may not seem super profound on the surface, but hear me out. Building a business is hard and we really need to normalize it being hard. You're going to be faced with things you've never had to face before. You have to learn things you've never learned before. You're going to have to do things that are outside of your comfort zone. And you may feel like you're on the verge of a panic attack or you may feel like you're going to burst out crying or you may feel like you're going to vomit like it's so normal and everyone goes through this and I really feel like social media has glamorized entrepreneurship so much and there's so much talk around like quote-unquote how to make money easily or quote-unquote passive income or you know being an entrepreneur so you're your own boss you don't have a boss and you get to set your own hours but to get to that place you need to put in a lot of work and I think no one really talks about how hard it is if anything we tend to just brush it on the the rug and think that everyone else is doing really really well and so because we may not be doing as well as we think we should be doing we don't talk about it and that just exasperates the whole problem so building a business is hard like let's normalize it being hard and just know that when you're going through it other people are going through it as well and you can reach out and support each other so i hope that that allows yourself to give yourself more compassion and grace but also allows yourself to stop questioning like, oh, am I just not a good entrepreneur? Or is it me? Like, is there something wrong with me? Just know that everyone goes through this. It is hard on everyone. But true entrepreneurs are people that can stick it through, learn, adapt, grow, be flexible, and just persevere. The third lesson is something that I definitely learned the hard way. But the third lesson in this category is the fact that you cannot, quote unquote, perfectly scale. So don't let that hold you back from embracing growth. Let me break that down. A friend of mine grew from zero to multiple million really quickly, and she's super talented. She's super smart and intelligent, and it was amazing to watch her grow and amazing to witness that happen. But as you can imagine, going from zero to 100 almost pretty much overnight is very, very stressful. And so behind the scenes, she was trying to catch up to that growth, figure out how to make things work. And because we're friends, I was privy to that behind the scenes and I think subconsciously that really freaked me out because I'm someone that likes things to be orderly I like to plan I'm like definitely a type a type of person and as such I saw that and my mind went okay I want to grow but I want to grow perfectly and I want to grow in a way where it's like sustained and I don't get stressed and everything's like all in the right place and we have the right processes we have the right team members like all these different things and as a result I definitely slowed down on our growth this year because I was like, okay, like in the back end, we need to have all these things ready. We need to have these things prepped, all these things. But what I have to say about that is I just wish I didn't hit pause on the growth and I wasn't so afraid of it being perhaps a little messy and figuring it out because the reality is like every single business is kind of a gong show in the back end. Like if you work at a company, I'm sure you can relate. 
I've personally worked at multiple Fortune 500 companies and it would always shock me because I was like, you guys are a Fortune 500 company. Like, how do you not have this figured out? Or how is there no process for this? Or how are we all like making this mistake? Or how is there so much miscommunication? Like, how is this happening? And if a Fortune 500 company looks like that behind the scenes, then it's totally fine for your small business to also not have all the answers and figure it out as you go. And so looking back, I wish I had just told myself, hey, growth is messy. You're going to have to figure things out. And it's like that expression or saying, you know, you're going to be building the plane while you're flying it. And that's totally fine because a lot of the businesses and companies are doing that too, even multi-billion dollar companies. And so you should not be afraid of growth. You should embrace it. Do everything you can to grow to a specific point that you want or, you know, to a point that feels good for you. And then you're going to figure it out. Trust you are going to have the skill the expertise, the know-how, and the grit to figure it out and just make it all happen. And so just know that you know, if you want to perfectly scale, that just is not a thing. I have definitely learned that the hard way. And if anything, you want to have the money and the capital to be able to fund your business. So try, if you can, not to have to hinder growth. But the caveat, of course, is if you're having like product issues or like really big shipping issues and like a lot of refund requests, like you definitely kind of want to hit pause and like fix it. But if you're just like me and you're just really particular and very type A and you're like, I don't want to grow because I want it to stay this way. I want everything to stay organized like that's just not going to work and that's going to prevent you from making money so let's just toss that concept out the window and just continue to grow and trust that you will be able to figure it out as a summary remember that it is always better to have more money and more resources and to be able to fix things than to have a quote-unquote perfectly organized business but no money and no resources If you have to choose between the two, you definitely want to choose a business that has cash flow and has cash reserves. So don't hinder your growth unnecessarily. Trust that you will be able to figure it out. And the fourth lesson and also the last lesson in this business and entrepreneurship lesson category is the fact that the nomadic work lifestyle is definitely glamorized. I talked about this a little bit last year, but in doing so much traveling and being abroad so much in the past year, I definitely acknowledge that I am extremely privileged to be able to do this and I never want to say that I am tired of traveling because I love traveling so much and after COVID like and not being able to travel for a few years it definitely made me really grateful to be able to travel again so I definitely acknowledge the privilege and how grateful I am but on the flip side I think a lot of people look up to or aspire to be like a digital nomad that like works in Bali and like does all it does all this stuff but it's tough traveling all the time and trying to fit work in. I kind of talked about this in a previous CEO confessions, but it's like when you're traveling, you kind of just want to travel and enjoy the city you're in and be on vacation mode. And you don't really want to think about work too much. Whereas on the other hand, when you're in deep work concentration, you also don't want to be distracted by like all these things you have to do. So I don't know, for me personally, it just doesn't work that well. So I'm just going to like work when I'm in London. And then if I'm doing a vacation, then I'm just going to do a vacation and if I have to take calls that's totally fine but I'm not going to try to pressure myself to work when I'm on vacation and then when I'm in London I'm just going to be in like work mode and the other thing too is I traveled so much last year for conferences and speaking engagements and events and it was great to be able to see people in person and meet people that I've been corresponding with for years over email and LinkedIn messages things like that but also very very tiring so I think just like being choosy with what you sign up with is very key because with all the 
traveling like I got sick almost like every month or like every other month last year which is crazy but also like I just wasn't really taking care of myself so definitely one of my goals this year is just to like personally be healthier and then also the adjustment to time zones definitely is rough and kind of that lack of sleep and the lack of like work equipment like I'm someone that loves a nice big monitor my ergonomic mouse and keyboard like all this stuff I'm definitely high maintenance I know but I just like this stuff and you can't like bring that around in your carry-on suitcase so anyways I digress but I've just really learned that the nomadic lifestyle isn't for me but that being said it could be for you and you could love it and you know that's fine but I think it's figuring out what works for you and being okay with it and also not taking something that everyone wants to do and like just assuming it's gonna work for you and if it doesn't work for you you get upset or you like question if there's something wrong with you like it's fine right so anyways that's the last lesson in the business and entrepreneurship section now let's move into the sales lessons. I have two lessons in this category. And the first one is the fact that if you don't have something that people can buy and give you their money, then no shit, you can't make money, right? If you think about it, you need to sell something in order to make money. And I know that's not rocket science, but let me break down why this is a lesson that I've included. So last February to April, so February, March, April for three months, we didn't accept any new clients because I wanted to quote unquote perfect the back end of our business because like I previously mentioned, I was trying to perfectly scale, which like we talked about does not exist, but I was nerding out on systems, processes, doing SOPs, like the whole shebang. And because of that, I was like, I don't think we should take on new clients because it's just going to be too hectic and all this different stuff. And I definitely looking back, think we should have done more of a hybrid approach and not gone so extreme like I talked about because perfectly scaling doesn't exist. But also if you don't actively sell and you don't have something people can buy from you, you're not going to have any revenue. And luckily, we were in a financial position where this was okay. But at the same time, like if you don't have the right mindset and the right strategies in place and you don't make money because you're not selling anything and then you kind of start to freak out because not making money can be very scary, then it can be a very vicious cycle. And so I definitely just want to drill home that if your sales are low right now, look at what you're selling and if these are things that people A, want to buy and then also B, like, how is the checkout process? Like, can they actually buy on your site? Like, is everything working? Um, in our case, we're a consulting agency. We're not products as likely all of you listening do. But, you know, like just making sure that that whole process is seamless and just checking that because like I mentioned, if you don't have something people can buy, then no shit if you're not seeing revenue come into your business. And then to piggyback off that, the next sales lesson, which is, I believe now, lesson six in this episode, there is no point ruminating if you have a lack in sales. Let me say that in a different way. You should not obsess and you should not just think about it 24-7 if you have a lack in sales. I had this period where last year we were doing a launch and I was just thinking through every single lead, every single thing we had to do, every person we had to contact. Like I was obsessed and it was so bad for my mental health. And my it was like I was driving everyone around me crazy. Like my partner was like, you need to chill out. But you know, like we cannot will someone to buy something from us. And so we just need to let it go and spend that energy and spend that time on our strategy instead. That's going to be so much more helpful. And you also need to take care of yourself because if you have a big launch, you want to make sure that you are on your A game as well. 
So in summary, there's no point ruminating if you have a lack in sales. Instead, you need to let it go, trust that it will all work out and spend time on figuring out your strategy and then tweaking and making pivots if needed. Okay, now let's dive into the marketing section of my lessons and I have four marketing lessons. The first one is to always give value. If you don't know what to do from a marketing perspective, the best thing you can do is give value. What I mean by that is figure out for your ideal or your target customer, what are they struggling with? What do they actually want? And just give them lots of free value. If you want to think about it in a more transactional way, like stack up as many IOUs as possible with your ideal customer. And at one point, they're going to cash it in. And if you don't want to think about it so transactionally, then think about it in a viewpoint of really trying to nurture, grow, build that brand loyalty, foster that connection with your ideal customer. And that's always going to win, like always. If you're struggling with algorithms, if you're struggling with like all these different things, like just give value because value trumps everything. I've seen it time and time again with our content but also with our clients' content when we tell them to do certain things because they're going to add more value. So always give value. And building upon that lesson, which I believe was number seven, lesson number eight in the marketing section is that content that brings value beats algorithms. I talked about this a little bit already, but instead of obsessing over the ever-changing Instagram algorithm or trying to figure out the genius TikTok algorithm, you need to figure out what would give value to your ideal customer. So figure out what are they struggling with right now? Like, what do they need help with? How can you add a smile to their life? Like all these different things and try to do that type of content and obsess on that instead because content that people love and people watch and people share definitely is going to get pushed in the algorithm so by thinking of how you can bring value you're actually going to be able to beat the algorithm and you don't even have to worry about it and then the next few marketing lessons which i believe are number nine and number ten in this episode is to be where your customers are and i've talked about this before on this episode already but you can do the best content that adds value is aesthetically pleasing is set up it's optimized all that but if your target customer or your ideal customer is not on that platform then they're not going to see it and all that work would be for nothing so you need to be where your customers are that is key and if you don't know where your customers are and you have no idea then you definitely want to get to know them and get to figure that out so you can do that through a survey and interview we always get our clients to start with that in the lyb course because it is very important to be strategic and not waste your time and your resources. And then the last marketing lesson is to focus so that you can actually grow your audience base. I've talked about this on the podcast before as well, but essentially you want to focus on one social media platform and couple it with email marketing if you're just starting out. That's what we get our clients to do in the LYB course. But the reason behind that is because you actually need to spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of resources to have content that works and actually gives value. And as a brand that's just starting out, or even if you've been in business for a while, if you don't have all the resources in the world then you need to focus so that you can actually grow one platform do it really really well gather enough customers bring in more sales and then when you have more resources energy you can expand but you definitely want to focus on one platform and couple it with email marketing so you can grow your clientele grow your audience grow your customers and then expand 
Now let's move into the finance lessons. These ones are important and I have one, two, three, four. I have four finance lessons for you. So this is lesson 11 in the episode, but first and foremost, you need to know your numbers. I have talked about this on the podcast before. I say this to my clients on a regular basis, but you got to know what's going on in your business and also what's going on in your personal life as well. Let me break that down. In your business, you need to know what your minimal monthly costs are. Every single month, what is the minimal amount you're going to be spending and what does that look like? What are those things comprised of? And then as a result, how much revenue do you need to bring in every single month to be able to cover those costs? And then do that for your personal life too. Like every single month, what do you need to spend money on? Like how much is your rent? How much do you spend on groceries? All these different things. And then as a result, how much do you need to pay yourself to be able to pay all of those things and for you to survive? Do not stick your head in the sand. It is so important to look at your numbers. And I personally look at it at least on a weekly basis if not on an every other day basis. And you need to do this. You need to do this for your business and also for your personal life. Do not avoid your numbers and your financial situation because if you do that, then you can't fix it and you can't improve things. A little story time here, but a friend of mine was just so busy in her business and she just really neglected her numbers because she was like, it's fine, we're making money, I'm like busy hustling. And when she finally did dive back into her numbers, she realized that her team made a $100,000 mistake. And so if that doesn't scare you into looking into your numbers, then I don't know what will because you just really need to know what's going on. Even if you're doing really, really well right now, you need to look at what's going on and make sure that you're still tight on what you're spending money on so that you can build up your nest egg, build up your runway. And we will talk more about runway shortly. But yeah, just make sure that you are always knowing your numbers because I find that when you avoid your numbers and you just feel like deep down you're just not making enough or things are just like going out of control, you start to ruminate, catastrophize and ultimately just end up spiraling and that's not helpful to you or your business so it's really important to just know what's going on and make a plan. I find that when you know what's going on and you make a plan and you have peace and solace in the fact that you have a plan you can just start to feel calmer. And the next lesson, lesson number 12, is to save up as much runway as possible. Runway is how many months essentially of costs you have saved up and in other words how many months can you go without making a single dollar and still be okay. Ideally, you can have at least one year of runway because you never know what could happen. And it's so much easier to make sound and logical decisions when in the back of your mind, you know you'll be okay if you don't make a single dollar for a whole entire year. And that's why you need to know what your minimal monthly costs are. So you can just take that, times that by 12, and know that that's what the runway is you're saving up for. If one year is just out of question right now, then just at least start with a quarter, so three months or even six months if you can, and then work yourself up to a one-year runway. But yeah, I can't tell you like having 12 months worth of expenses covered and knowing that you could not make money for 12 whole months and still be okay, like that really allows you to make more sound and logical decisions and lets you just play on different time horizons too. Like I talked about at the beginning of this episode, like if you don't have to think month to month and live paycheck to paycheck or customer sale to customer sale, then you can make so much more strategic and better decisions for your business. Lesson number 13 is to pre-plan your financial contingency plan so you don't have to think about it when you're emotionally and financially struggling slash scrambling. I mean, knock on wood, we don't want anyone to be financially struggling or scrambling, but I did talk about this in my recap or like prepare for 2023 podcast episode, but 
you want to pre-plan your financial contingency plan so that if shit hits the fan when it comes to sales, revenue, money, then you at least have your previous more sound and logical self come up with your game plan like that just makes so much more sense than being in a situation where you're frantically trying to make more money and then deciding what you have to do the chances are you're a probably not going to be able to come up with every single idea under the sun because you're freaking out and then b also you can't tap into your creative juices either because again you're freaking out so it just makes so much more sense to do it now and so if you haven't already created some sort of financial contingency plan i would highly encourage you to just pause this episode right now and figure out where you're going to cut costs how can you make more money in a pinch if you need to and then press play again once you're done And the last lesson in the finance section or lesson number 14 is that we don't want to just throw money at problems. We actually need to work at fixing the problems. Let me explain. As an example, if you feel stuck right now in your business and you're not quite sure what to do or how to get out of it or how to fix this feeling or this problem you're experiencing, well, don't just go on a quote unquote investing spree and hire like three different coaches and roll in five different courses, etc. Instead, pause and take the time to identify what the problem is, pinpoint exactly where you have a knowledge gap that's preventing you from achieving the goals or the objectives you want, and then seek out resources, courses, mentors etc to help you fill that knowledge gap but instead of just buying a bunch of things hoping that it makes you feel better and or you're just magically going to have the goal you want really take stock and take inventory of what you need to get there and what's holding you back and what help you actually need And that's just an example about investing in like personal development and stuff. But if you currently aren't making enough sales, then don't just spend more money in ads and think that throwing ad dollars at the problem is going to fix it. Because if you aren't driving enough traffic to your business and you're not nurturing your audience correctly and you're not converting people correctly, then you could throw so much money into ads, but it's not going to be as effective or as high of an ROI as if you actually addressed and fixed the problem first and then amplified it with ads. So don't just throw money at problems, actually work at fixing the root issue and the root causes. Now let's move into the leadership and team section. Lesson 15 is the fact that all of you need to read The E-Myth if you haven't already. It's an amazing book around running teams. And the whole concept of the book is how can you franchise your business? So you may not actually want to franchise your business, that's fine. But how can you operate in a way where you think you're going to franchise your business and in doing so, you have standard processes, you have things figured out, and you really just want to make sure that your business is running really fine-tuned and like a streamlined machine. And so one of the big learnings I had from the book, The E-Myth, is the fact that you don't necessarily need an expert right at the beginning. In fact, what you actually need is really, really good processes and steps so that literally anyone can read these steps and do a good job. And so take that with a grain of salt, take that with what you will. But I have realized that startups, a lot of the times you can't hire or you can't afford top talent. So what you got to do instead is just hunker down on your processes, make really good SOPs, hire decent people, of course like people that want to learn are invested in what you're doing and then train them up with these SOPs that literally anyone could do and something that I always ask myself in the back of my mind now is like how can I franchise be closeted like what can we do to streamline make things more efficient make things so easy make it so that you know if I'm sick for an entire month or something like a member of my team could just read everything that I do and execute it so that's just something I'm in the back of my mind and if you haven't read the e-myth I would highly encourage you read it 
And lesson 16 is a question. And the question is, is it not done well or is it not done to your taste? Those are two very different things because the first one is it, you know, something is actually not done well and it needs to be redone. Or the second part is it's not done to your taste, but it actually gets the same results. It gets to the same end goal and it's just not exactly like how you would do it or how you thought it would have been done. And so now with team members, what I tried to do is paint done and explain the end goal. And then they kind of have the freedom to get to how they want to get to with final product. But that being said, we still have our SOPs and process so that they're not completely lost and they know exactly how to go from A to Z. But at the same time, like, again, just ask yourself if something comes back and you're like being nitpicky and you're being really particular, take a deep breath and just ask yourself, is this not done well or is it just not done to my taste? And lesson 17 is to give feedback right away and don't let it bottle up. You don't want to build resentment for team members and it's also best to give feedback right away so that it's fresh in their mind and they can implement it right away and they can be corrected right away too. And this goes for team members, this goes for contractors and also service providers. So anyone that you hire, like if you're hiring an accountant, a lawyer, like just anyone that's helping you, if you have feedback, then give it right away. It's always best to do that versus letting it bottle up. And also you just don't want to build up that resentment like I talked about. So face it head on, you can give the feedback in a constructive and nice way, but you need to express what you didn't like, what you liked, and what you would perhaps want to see change next time. Lesson 18 is if it's not a fit, you need to let them go right away. I know it sucks, but in the long run, it sucks even more when you know deep down it's not a fit, but you're too scared to do anything about it and you just let it fester and you just ruminate and you build up resentment and it becomes this whole big thing. And if there's someone on your team that you know deep down is not a good fit, either their work ethic isn't there or just other parts aren't a fit, you need to also let them go because it affects the rest of the team too and it drags everyone down. So if you know someone's not a good fit, just let them go right away. Just bite the bullet and don't let it fester. And lesson 18 kind of goes hand in hand with the feedback piece and also, you know, if it's not a good fit, letting them go. But do not turn a blind eye to bad behavior. This is something that I really learned the hard way last year because for a lot of people, I would develop some sort of like relationship with them, like a friendship or like an emotional attachment kind of thing to them. And I would start to make excuses as a result for quote unquote bad behavior. I would be like, oh, they're just having a bad day or, you know, they're just tired today, all these different things. But you cannot turn a blind eye to bad behavior. And you just can't make excuses for people because people will take advantage of that, unfortunately. And also other team members will look at that and then think it's okay. So again, it kind of brings the standards of the rest of the team down, which you don't want. And I wanted to also share a quick example, but I'm not going to go too much into it because it's not just my story, like it affects someone else. But basically, I hired a friend of mine to do some work for Recloseted last year. And throughout the engagement, I noticed that there were some things that came up, some quote unquote bad behavior. But because they were my friend, I made excuses for them. I was like, oh, it's fine. You know, they're probably just tired or maybe they have something going on. But we were working together in a capacity where we had 
other team members present there as well. And I actually had multiple team members come up to me afterwards and say that they were uncomfortable when this happened and they noticed that this happened. And so when you turn a blind eye to bad behavior, it doesn't just affect you and your mental health because you obviously ruminate in it and you get upset, but it also affects the rest of the team as well and it drags everyone down. So that's not acceptable and you need to address it. And so I did eventually and it was definitely something that was kind of difficult because again, we were friends, but the person was receptive. They accepted it and they were like, thanks for telling me and I'm really glad I did it, but I wish I brought it up earlier so that it didn't have to affect me and the rest of the team. So you definitely want to address it right away. And the other thing too is like, you shouldn't make excuses for your family members or for your friends. If you're paying them, first of all, you need to kind of put that relationship on the back burner and just put the business relationship first in this context. So don't worry about hurting feelings and things like that. I'm sure even if you give feedback, you would give it in a way where it's respectful and constructive, but you need to really put that business relationship first. And then you can go back to being like family mode or friends mode. And on the other side, if someone's volunteering for you, like if they're volunteering to take photos for you or take videos or be your fit model, that's amazing, but there's still standards, right? Like they still need to respect you and your business. And if you feel like boundaries are being crossed or that respect is not being reciprocated, then you can just gently tell them, hey, thanks so much for helping, but I don't think this is going to be a good fit and just find someone else. Like it's not worth it. And so don't turn a blind eye to bad behavior. Don't make excuses for people. And a really good friend of mine that was also there helping, she was just like, hey, as your friend, if I was helping you and you were paying me, or even if you weren't paying me, I would try to go above and beyond to make sure that you had a really, really good experience. And in my case, like my friend had basically done all these different things, which I'm again, not going to go into, but it actually made my experience really, really bad. And so that also just kind of drew a light on the friendship a little bit. But anyways, I digress. But all in all, don't turn a blind eye to bad behavior. You need to call that shit out right away and you need to address it. Okay, and now let's move into the mindset lessons. I think these were some of the biggest lessons I had last year. And so lesson number 20 is the fact that you need to trust yourself. I've been working on trusting myself for the past few months now, and it's definitely something you continuously work on and you build that confidence and that trust in yourself. But I realized that a lot of my anxiety and a lot of the control issues I have really came from me not trusting that I would be able to figure things out. And if something happened that I didn't foresee or if, you know, XYZ happened, like trusting that I have the ability, I have the skills, I have the know-how and I have the resourcefulness to figure it out just really allowed myself to just be able to sit in that and just be less anxious and just be less controlling as well. And you also need to remember that just because you are anxious and you think about things and you think about worst case scenarios and you think that in doing so, it would prepare you for those worst case scenarios. In most instances, A, the worst case scenario does not happen slash will not happen. And B, there's also things that you could not think of that would happen. But, you know, like you figure it out anyways. I'm sure you could think of many times in your life where life threw you a curveball and you were like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. But you figured it out because you're resourceful and you trust yourself and you got this. So just knowing that, you know, you need to trust yourself, but you need to kind of develop that trust. And then in line with that too, like hiring quote unquote experts or listening to quote-unquote experts because you feel like you should when deep down you know that you know this is maybe not the direction you want to go and deep down your gut is telling you differently 
building that trust so that you can actually trust yourself. And it's not to say that you shouldn't take advice from other people, but I think there's a fine balance between taking that advice, really soaking it in, you know, distilling it, doing all these things, and then taking pieces that you think would apply for you and your business, and then just kindly leaving the things that you don't think would be good for your business. You don't have to do carbon copies of exactly what everyone tells you, but have the trust in yourself that you know what's best for your ideal customer, you know what's best for your business, and you will be able to figure it out. And lesson number 21 is around failure. So I really redefined my relationship with failure and the word failure last year because I realized you technically haven't failed until you've given up. So when something happens that's really difficult and really, really challenging, it's fine to be sad about it. It's fine to wallow in it for, you know, a day or a couple of days. But at one point, you do have to pick yourself back up, assess the situation, see what you can do differently, see what you want to try and go again and again like you haven't failed until you've given up so don't give up because that would actually mean you have failed and so it's really important to like I mentioned assess the situation see what went wrong go at it differently go at it again and just keep trying and the other thing too that a mentor of mine told me that I think would be helpful in this context is the fact that if you failed you're human everyone fails every single day you're not special like if i'm being blunt like we all fail i failed you failed your parents have failed my parents have failed like everyone's failed don't let your quote-unquote failures get you down because it's all part of your epic story and all part of the plot if you will and reposition it as such because it would be so boring if your entrepreneurial story was you know you start a business you start to sell things, you make millions and millions of dollars and you ride off into the sunset and you never have a single challenge, you never have a single setback and you never experience failure. That'd be such a boring story and that is so unrealistic. So now anything that happens, I'm like in the back of my mind, I'm just like, oh, it's for the plot. It's part of the story. Like, you know, like just think of it that way. And remember that you haven't actually technically failed until you've given up. So let's try things. Let's put ourselves out there and let's have the courage to continue to learn and grow. And lesson number 22, this is something that I am still actively working on if I'm being transparent, but this is a big one. So being vulnerable here, one of my big limiting beliefs I am working on is the fact that I have to work hard to make money. This is a limiting belief that I am actively working on. And so some backstory, if you didn't already know, my parents immigrated to Canada with basically nothing and they learned English, they got jobs, they were able to build such a great life for me and my sister and for that I am eternally grateful. But immigrant parents work really, really hard. I'm sure if you have immigrant parents, you know that. Or if you have friends that have immigrant parents, you've seen the work ethic. Like it's neck level. And so growing up, just witnessing my parents work so hard and them also constantly telling me like, oh, you got to work hard. You need to make sure that you can take care of yourself, like all these different things. It just drilled this mentality home in me. And I'm not saying that you can make money just like sitting around doing nothing. That's not what I'm saying. But basically what I'm trying to shift this more to is working smarter instead and I've talked about this before like it's so important to work smarter not just harder but I really feel this year I'm going to challenge myself to actually live by that because I have a pretty big work ethic like I work a lot I'm able to do a lot but I had a big realization 
at the end of last year that I was actually just like being busy for the sake of being busy and feeling good that I was doing work versus actually doing things that like I need to, to be doing. And I was honestly avoiding some problems by just working because I definitely have an avoidant personality. And so I avoid problems by working because if I'm working, I don't have to face my problems and also working like appears productive on the outside. So I like feel good about myself. So anyways, these are things I'm all like working on and the self-awareness is there, but this is actually the year of putting it into place. And so that's something that I'm working on, which is why like the streamlining of the business is happening. I'm only taking two clients a month. I'm being really intentional with who we work with, like all these different things. But 2023 is definitely the year of inviting ease into my work. Like how can we simplify? How can I make this easy? How can this not be so resistant? And so I really encourage you to do this as well. If you're also someone that like really prides themselves and their work ethic, you constantly find yourself burning out. Like how can we all invite more ease? into 2023. And one quote that I believe is from Brianna Weist because I'm her biggest fangirl. I think it is. I don't have like who said this, but I think it's Brianna Weist. If it's not, I'm so sorry and someone can tell me who said this, but this quote really aligns well with the concept I just said, so I'm going to read it to you. And it is as follows. I am learning to slow down. Rushing no longer serves me. Ease is the goal. That is so beautiful and I have this on my desktop wallpaper and all this stuff. But yeah, let's all learn to slow down this year. Let's all not rush. Let's think through things. Let's be intentional and let's make ease our goal. And if you want to work on your mindset this year, I have a bonus lesson, lesson number 23 for you. And it is if you want to work on self-sabotage and your mindset and all these things this year, you need to read The Mountain Is You if you haven't already. It's by Brianna Weist. I, like I mentioned, I'm like her biggest fangirl. I'll have the book linked down below. There is so much profound wisdom in that book. I cannot like say that enough i've told all my clients about it i've told all my friends about it i will not shut up about this book i've read this book like three times now and it's been in my life i think for two and a half years and i've just read it kind of like every eight-ish months and every single time i read this book it hits just as hard as the first time and i think it's because in your life you have different situations going on and because of that like different parts of the book will resonate at different times but yeah I can't recommend this book enough I recently reread it like three weeks ago and there's actually three things I am actively working on and I don't mind sharing it with you because I feel like some of you may resonate but the first thing is Brianna talks about this in the book around like shifting from wanting something so bad and like actually working towards it to when you actually achieve it, being able to sit and having it. Last year, I achieved so many things off my bucket list and my dream list, like things I have dreamt about and thought about for years, like doing my business and being able to live abroad and like all these things have been on my vision board for years. And I've been journaling and like hoping for it for years and it finally happened. And I had about a week of like bliss and I talked about this in our CEO Confessions episode where it was like our four-year birthday episode, I believe, where I was like, I feel inner peace. And I did. I felt it for like a couple weeks. And then I feel like I was so not used to not having those as my goals anymore because I had like quote unquote achieved it. I couldn't sit and actually like having it. And I was actually feeling a bunch of different feelings, which we're not going to get into because like it would be another like hour of me like telling you what was going on. We're going to say that for my, my counselor, my therapist, but just shifting from wanting something to actually being able to have it and just really being able to sit in it. 
The other big thing that Brianna talks about is shifting your baseline and your upper limits. So as humans, our brains are wired for comfort and for stability. So we have like a baseline level of happiness that we're used to and then like an upper limit or almost like a glass ceiling of happiness or success or whatever. And so when you're trying to get to the next level, you need to break all of those glass ceilings and you need to break all of those baselines. But that's super uncomfortable for us. And neurologically and biologically, we want to get back into the comfort zone. So just actively trying to shift my baseline and upper limit this year, like that's also something I'm focusing on. And then last but not least, this one's a big one, which I hope none of you feel this way, but the reality is I think most female founders feel this way, unfortunately, and I don't want to like gender stereotype here, but I know for me and a lot of my entrepreneurial girlfriends, we all feel this way, but feeling worthy of success and money, like this is a big one. I think a lot of the times when we finally achieve the goals and we finally make the income and we finally do all the things that we've wanted for so long, we sometimes feel like we're not worthy of it. And because of that subconscious or conscious belief that we have, we start to self-sabotage and we start to feel guilty. And that shows up in a lot of different unhealthy ways that, again, might be subconscious or conscious. So working on that this year as well. And again, I cannot say more great things about The Mountain Is You. I will have the book linked down below. I've, again, told all my clients to read it, sent it to all my friends, and I highly encourage you to read it as well if you haven't already. And last but not least, I wanted to give you some bonus quotes that really got me through last year or that just like really hit deep. And I have four quotes for you because, yeah, I I mean, like every single month I like to put away quotes that resonated with me, but I'm just going to share four because this episode is already like almost hitting an hour. So the first quote is by Alex Hormozzi. Love him and his wife, Layla. Make sure you check out their content. Their content is so good for business. But Alex constantly says, you know, if you want to be in the top, 1% then you cannot do what other 99% of people are doing and that's so true like we're constantly going against the grain we're doing our own thing because we want to be different and we want to make an impact and so as a result of that you can't do what everyone else is doing and that's okay it can feel lonely sometimes it can feel isolating but just remember that if you're really wanting to make that impact change the world and be in that top one percent then you can't do what 99% of other people are doing and just know that and I really Just sought a lot of comfort in that last year because I am doing things that are different from a lot of my friends and a lot of my peers. And I am super thankful though now to have like entrepreneurial friends and people that I can bounce ideas off of and things like that. But in a lot of instances, you will be doing things that are going against the grain and that's okay. The next quote is from Jay Shetty love him and his podcast you can check out his podcast as well but he said this on one of his podcast episodes i can't remember which one but he said we think that if we are successful in public we will be happy in private but it's actually the other way around when you're happy in private you will be successful in public And this is something that really hit deep because like I mentioned this year, like I checked off a lot of big goals on my list. And so on paper, I was like, I should be so, so happy. And I was happy for like a couple of weeks and I had like a good sense of inner peace. But then I had an episode where I was like really depressed for a couple months. And I was like, I don't know why, because I've achieved everything that I've ever wanted to achieve. So why do I feel this way? But I realized that I had to do a lot of inner work still. And I had a lot of like subconscious limiting beliefs 
beliefs and all these things I need you to work on. So yeah, like things that may appear successful to other people or in public may not always make you feel happy. And instead, the goal is actually to work on yourself, make yourself feel good, and then everything else will fall into place. And the last two quotes are from Brianna Weist, and they're from her poetry book, Ceremony, which I will also leave down below. I also am starting to lose my voice. I don't know if you can tell. I'm sorry if my voice like randomly cracks like someone going through puberty. But these quotes are long, but I will try to do them justice because they're very good. So the first one is, You did not come as far as you have through as much as you did across all the unknown you faced for it to end here. You did not embark on this journey to return to passivity to become the most mild and acceptable version of yourself. You began in order to live boldly, to embrace yourself as a field of contradictions, to release yourself into the moment and let it take you where it may. You did not go through everything you have just to stop now, just to become something familiar to someone else's eyes but foreign to your own heart. You walked this path to get to the other side. Please don't stop when you finally see the horizon. This is one that really hit deep because I was going through a lot of stuff and I was like, oh, should I just like stop? Should I just like quit? And again, like she says, like, please don't stop when you finally see the horizon. Don't subconsciously sabotage yourself. Make sure you're constantly shifting your baseline and your upper limit so that you feel deserving and you feel worthy of success. So that's the first one. And then the second one perfectly summarizes how I felt like Q4 of last year. So here it is. The truth is that if we want to make a big leap forward, we are often first asked to first take a small step back. If we carried on undisrupted, there would be no impetus for change. There would be nothing to make us stop and second guess where we're headed. There would be nothing to direct us off the familiar path. There would be nothing to spark the unraveling of what we've been and the becoming of what we will be. There would be nothing to initiate progress. If somewhere deep within you, you are asking life to rise up to the next level, you will often first be asked to sink down into what's holding you within this one. That also really hit deep because I felt like I was just slugging through a bunch of muck, kind of like I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, to figure out what was going on. And in transparency, like I still think I'm figuring it out, but I definitely feel clearer. And it's a result of just like working through all my subconscious beliefs and counseling and like the mountain is you and all these different things and just like journaling and sitting with myself and really trusting myself as well. And there you have it. 22 plus lessons from last year as well as four of my favorite quotes and I hope that being a little bit more vulnerable and transparent in this episode like has really helped you and I would also love to hear which lessons resonated most with you and if you also want to share some of your lessons with me I would absolutely love to hear them so you can send us a dm at recloseted on instagram or you can send us an email to hello at recloseted.com I read all our messages I will respond to them I will get back to you but yeah it would mean a lot because we are probably going to be at an hour for this episode and if you listen to this point then I just want to thank you I hope that this is helpful for you I hope that 2023 brings you 
everything you could ever want and I hope that you feel worthy of all your success that I know that you will inevitably get and I also wanted to let you know that we are back so we're back with our weekly Wednesday podcast episodes thank you again for your patience and letting us rest and also letting me go through the muck like I talked about we're gonna be back daily on our Instagram and we are gonna actually take a step back on YouTube a little bit I'm still gonna put out YouTube videos but We're going to try on a monthly basis because that's just going to work better for me. And then we're also going to continue to send our emails out on a monthly basis as well. So keep an eye out for all our content. And lastly, if you'd like to work together this year, if you are starting a sustainable fashion brand, then check out our Launch Your Brand course. You can find more information at recloseted.com slash LYB. Or if you want to work together on a one-on-one capacity to increase your sales, scale your brand, and or get your sustainability strategy in check, then check out our consulting services at recloseted.com slash consulting. Note that for business consulting, like I mentioned, I'm only taking on two clients a month now. So make sure you book a consultation, you reach out ASAP, and we can see if it's a fit to work together. Thank you so much again for listening. It means a lot, especially if you're listening up until this point. And I also wanted to say that I appreciate all of you so much. I hope that this was helpful for you. And please reach out. I would love to hear from you. And that's a wrap on this episode. If you got value from this, I would appreciate it if you could take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at Recloseted. Be sure to subscribe to the Recloseted Radio podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode and you have access to all of our valuable resources. And if you're feeling generous, please rate our podcast five stars and leave us a glowing review. I'm cheering you on, and together, let's transform the harmful fashion industry.